Hi everyone, I'm Tara Lawn. Welcome to Time Out with Tinseltown Mom. Today I'm going to be speaking with best-selling author, licensed psychologist, and Harvard grad, Dr. Shauna Springer. Dr. Springer is one of the nation's leading experts on military transition, disruptive change, suicide prevention, psychological trauma and recovery, post-traumatic growth, and close relationships. She's also the author of Warrior, How to Support Those Who Protect Us, and the co-author of Beyond the Military, A Leader's Handbook for Warrior Reintegration. She's been featured on NPR, CNN, NBC, CBS Radio, Forbes, plus more. Today, she's going to talk about ways that mothers can heal from past trauma in order to be healthy for their kids. Hi, Dr. Springer. Welcome. Hi, it's good to be here. Well, thank you for being here. I'm so excited to get your expert knowledge. You have such a great, rich background to share with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, so we're talking about mothers who've experienced trauma and specifically how they can get the help they need to be healthy for their kids. But first, I want to start by getting to know you a little bit better, Dr. Springer. Can you give us a little bit of background about you and your family dynamic? Sure. So I was raised um, just outside of Los Angeles in a family where um, I would say we had kind of quasi-military values, discipline and physical fitness, you know, getting up early in the morning, running around the track um, was a regular part of growing up. And then my parents kind of took the idea of free-range parenting and really ran with it and had us go down to different countries during the summers uh, when we were age 10 and above by ourselves to really embed with families and work with them and and serve people that were often overlooked um, in society because they really wanted to raise children that, you know, knew what hardship was and didn't kind of grow up with a a privileged mindset. So that was really an intentional choice um, by both of my parents. Now, were they in the military, both of your parents? Neither of them were, actually. Um, My dad was admitted to Harvard and Annapolis and decided to go to Harvard. Um, but raised us, I think if anybody has read The Great Santini, um, it was the book about a Marine Corps drill instructor, a pilot who's actually an aviator, but he raised his kids like a drill instructor. And in some ways, my childhood was a little bit like that. Interesting. So neither one of them were in the military, but they kind of raised you with that philosophy to give you that structure and that upbringing. Was that their goal? Yeah, they were definitely old school. You know, they definitely believed in you know, making us work, and we had, you know, jobs and did a lot of service-related work during the summertime and um, the physical discipline, the expectations. These were all things that eventually helped me feel at home with those who serve in our military and first responder populations. Oh, okay. Now, is that what prompted you to focus on the military and military training and just to focus your career in that direction? Yeah, thanks for that question. It, It was more of a recognition when I started working with military service members that it just felt comfortable. And I didn't put it together until I was on a walk with my sister many years later. And I said, you know, why is it that they seem to really accept me so quickly and we seem to really identify closer with each other when I never served in the military and don't want to represent that I ever did? I haven't made those kinds of sacrifices. And my sister looked at me and she said, well, because we were raised like we were in boot camp and we started piecing together the different parts of our background and it just came into great clarity for me on that walk 
that, oh, that's why, because I have a lot of the same values and I know what it feels like to be very far away from my family and trying to um, accustom myself to a very different culture and a different group of people and really build that trust and learn about how people live um, in different ways and, you know, sometimes how people can come through trauma and really survive and thrive despite great adversity. Wow, that makes sense. And I know you're a mom as well, right? How many kids do you have? Yeah, I have two kids. I have two kids, and um, they're both under 10 years old. And so uh, it's been an interesting year and a half for, for all parents, I think. During COVID, we've seen you know a lot of moms um, particularly have to manage new expectations. Um, some moms you know, have had to give up careers or, or downshift in their careers, which can be very stressful, can impact your identity. I think for myself as a working mom, it's been, I would describe it as kind of next level parental guilt at times, honestly, because your kids need you and they have been often very socially isolated. And also you're working, you know, from home and working long hours. And so sometimes when, you know, my kids would come into my home office to, you know, sort of need something from me and I would have to say, I'm sorry, I'm on a Zoom call or a work meeting, um, it would be very hard to navigate that. And so my heart really goes out to all of the other mothers and, and parents out there that have had to navigate what has been a really challenging season for all of us as moms and parents. Yeah, we're definitely all in this together. And I understand that guilt that you feel when you're at home and your kids need your attention, but you have to work. So it's hard. It's really hard to navigate that. And especially when we're all at home together. Yep. So we're talking about moms who've experienced trauma in their lives, whether in childhood or young adulthood or even in motherhood, where they are today and how they can get the help that they need. I know there's some moms listening who have gone through trauma and they think that they're okay. They don't need any help. So I really want to talk about that, too, and just some practical steps that you can offer on where to go from here and really how to find that healing so they can be whole and be healthy for their children. Absolutely. And I will back you up in what you just said. I did a study actually in 2008 of over 1,200 women. Most of them were Harvard graduates because that was the sample I had access to. And a huge portion of them, over 50%, agreed that they had been through an experience that had dramatically affected their understanding of how the world could be safe or other people could be trusted. So trauma is, I think, a pretty human universal for all of us, especially after the last year and a half. Yes, absolutely. Can we just start by you giving us a boilerplate definition of what trauma is, just so we're all on the same page? Sure, sure. So I would say kind of a a simple um, kind of lay definition of trauma is that it is something that, that divides your your world into two parts. There was the time before trauma when you had a certain set of assumptions about how to navigate the world or how people operate or how safe you are. And after, um, you have a different set of assumptions. So there's kind of a shattering of expectations and a divided uh, sense of who can be trusted, whether you're safe to, to walk through the world and kind of manage situations. Okay, yes, that makes sense. And I'm some things that I'm thinking about as far as trauma that women may have experienced could be sexual assault or domestic violence or other extreme situations like that. 
But would you also put in the same category uh, COVID-19, for example, maybe someone's experiencing a real fear of maybe going outside or being around people, and maybe it's just gotten to an extreme level. I don't even know if I'm going in the right direction with this. No, you are. You're, you're right. I mean, they're all traumas, right? So the sense of feeling helplessness or a fear of um, what could happen, a sense of dread, you can be overwhelmed by feelings like panic or not sleeping well. So trauma actually causes a biological injury. But to your point, you know, not all traumas are the same. So going through something with everybody else, a fear of COVID, this invisible virus, for example, might feel different and be a different recovery journey than a sexual assault or domestic violence assault because that might really change your sense of how much someone who said that they love you, like let's say the sexual assault is within a marriage or a date rape situation, it might change your situation about whether people can really be trusted and if people really are who they say they are. It's a very, very personal violation. And there's often a feeling that people get of they feel ashamed. I would say it's not their shame to bear, but they often feel ashamed. So it's hard to talk about those kinds of um, very intimate assaults versus feeling a fear of, of COVID is something that, you know, we can probably more readily discuss with other people, which can help us move through that. Yeah, that makes sense. And do you counsel people who've gone through trauma? Is that part of your expertise? Well, I end up these days really doing a lot of writing and a lot of training and speaking. I just did a talk on a sexual assault and why that's a particularly difficult recovery journey, why it's really challenging. And the treatments that are made available to people are often not very appealing um, in terms of you know, going in and talking to a therapist about the day that someone was assaulted. A lot of people will suffer in silence. Um, because they don't want to talk about those details of the worst day of their life. And so I'm excited to say that there's some new treatments that are available, you know, several of them, that are really looking at the biological impact of trauma and really addressing that, that I think are going to be game changers for people. Now, is that something that you can talk about? Sure. Um, I'm happy to. So one of the most promising treatments is one that very few people have heard about, It's called stellate ganglion block, and it comes out of the pain therapy tradition. So anesthesiologists are the people that have really discovered and pioneered this, um, to include Dr. Eugene Lipoff, really discovered that this stellate ganglion block, which is an injection of an anesthetic medication, it's actually relevant to, you know, a conversation about motherhood. It's the same uh, medication that many of us as mothers will have an epidural, you know, during childbirth. And if you've ever had an epidural, it's that same medication um, that's injected into a cluster of nerves in the neck. And it seems to really restore a sense of calm in the body and really address things like sleeplessness and panic attacks that can come when you're exposed to a trauma. Oh, interesting. Is this a one-time treatment that you go in for or is it something that has to be repeated? Yeah, most of the people that we've treated, and I've been following uh, cases as a psychologist after they've had this injection for about four years, have really just needed one intervention. Some mm-hmm. of our patients have needed a second session. Um, the, the second day on the opposite side, you know, an injection is made on the opposite side for those who need it. But we're seeing really good outcomes. 
And the key seems to be, if you get calm in your own body, can you find a trusted healer or somebody that you can talk with about those underlying thoughts and patterns that are maintaining the trauma response? Because in combination with therapy and other forms of healing, this kind of biological intervention can be really helpful. But I always say in combination um, with doing psychotherapy or other forms of healing. Okay, that's interesting. Now, what would you say to those mothers out there who are listening that maybe they've gone through a traumatic event in their lives, maybe child abuse or domestic violence or whatever other abuse or traumatic event they may have experienced, and it's years later, they haven't gotten any help for that event, and now they're mothers, do you think it's possible that they can just heal on their own without ever getting help? I mean, is that even possible? Like, what would you say to those mothers that are listening that may be in that situation? Well, it doesn't tend to get better on its own, is what I've observed, that many people have experienced trauma, that that's almost a universal, that we'll all face times that are traumatic for us, Mm -hmm. and that people can cope with trauma for many years. Now, one of the things I've observed with mothers that can happen is that having children leads to new feelings of vulnerability, you know, not just for yourself, but having children, raising children, and kind of realizing the things that may happen to them um, can bring up a lot of the older trauma, and you can play out patterns um, that are coming from trauma that happened many years ago. And so if you have, you know, symptoms that seem to be coming from nowhere, like you're you know, not sleeping um, or you're having, you know, waves of panic or or feeling irritable for no reason, it's important to get to the root of why that might be happening and to realize that there are treatments that are available now that can really um, address that directly. So let's say there is a mom listening who finds themselves in this situation where maybe they're feeling anxiety or maybe they can't sleep or having panic attacks and maybe realizing that maybe that trauma is being triggered somehow. Like, what should be their first course of action? What practical steps can they take right now to get their help and their recovery? Yeah, I would say the first course of action should always be to learn about, you know, what kind of treatment options are available um, for addressing those kinds of symptoms. You know, I've mentioned the stellate ganglion block. It's very promising, but it's not the only one. I think that the combination of biological treatments Uh, with psychotherapy are going to set a new standard of care. So I think learning about those kinds of treatments and understanding what your options are would always be the first step. I would also say that it's um, very common to have those kinds of reactions as we come into parenting, you know, to your point, and that um, often if we don't address them, we can be anxious around our kids, and so we can kind of... um, transmit a kind of anxiety that we don't want to to our children and we can teach them often unintentionally that um, they need to kind of be on guard because we find ourselves on guard or vigilant and then you add on that everything that happened with COVID and it really is a very anxiety producing time for all of us to think about not just ourselves being vulnerable but our children and other vulnerable people in our lives so there's plenty of anxiety out there in the world, but there are also innovations happening that are really going to be helping helping to directly address those biological effects of trauma. 
Yeah, that makes so much sense. Now, what about those moms listening that maybe they're single moms or maybe they're having financial difficulties and they can't afford some of these programs or counseling sessions that maybe are offered out there? Are there free resources or reduced cost resources for them just to ensure that, you know, moms everywhere can get the help that they need if they're going through or suffering through some event? Yeah, I think um, one of the things, whether free or reduced cost, that we've seen in the last year and a half has been the emergence of teletherapy, which has made um, therapy much more available so that people can really fit it right into their lives. And they don't have to, you know, take hours off of work, travel in. Um, and so there's a, a cost reduction right there to really fit it into their lives. But there's also services that we've seen. And these are, you know, not services I can specifically recommend because this is outside of the work that I do. But yeah. I'm just aware that a, a number of my patients have signed up for pretty in, inexpensive memberships to teletherapy services. And that's that's helpful for people in times of um, stress and trauma because it provides kind of an anchoring person that you can go and speak with and reflect on what's going on in your life so that your first reaction is not coming out with your kids. You have oh. a safe place to really process and talk through that. Yeah, that's such good information. Now, what about those moms who are actually in a traumatic event right now? Like they're actually suffering through it now. Maybe they're in a domestic violence situation. They have kids at home. They don't know what to do or what resources to reach out to. Are there steps for them to take right now um, while they're enduring this traumatic event right now? Like what would you say to those mothers listening? This is what I would say to the people that find themselves in this situation. I've worked with many very strong women and some men who have had domestic violence. And um, it's not something that um, I would want anybody to be ashamed of to find themselves in that situation because what I've observed over working with several patients is how how people get trapped there. It can happen uh, very slowly over time. People can get really isolated from others in their lives that love them, and then they can be trapped in kind of a, a private abusive nightmare. Very strong people who are strong and, and accomplished in many other ways can find themselves in that kind of a situation. But the shame that can come with that can prevent them from really speaking up or asking for help. So I'd want them to know that you know it's actually not uncommon for relationships to become abusive um, and if we could, you know, stop it and recognize it, we all would, you know, before it kind of gets to that point. My big fear is that with COVID, it's kind of a double whammy because a lot of the places that have been shelters for people um, have not been as available. Yeah. And a lot of the behavior that happens in a domestic violence situation happens when people get isolated. And so I'm really concerned that there's a number of people we're going to find coming out of the pandemic, who have really been trapped in a private nightmare for the better part of a year, year and a half, two years since COVID um, first began. And yeah. so um, for these folks, you know, I would just want them to to feel that there are services and help available. Always the first step is, you know, getting themselves to a safe place themselves and their kids. And sometimes this can take some um, searching and looking to really line that up. So, um, 
you know, it's important to, to do that work and find out where those safe places and resources are. I think it's really important for survivors of assault to really understand that healing is possible and that the combination of biological treatments like stellate ganglion block that address problems like difficulty sleeping and feeling overwhelmed by panic um, are really promising advances in terms of treating some of the worst symptoms of post-traumatic stress. But I also think that getting linked up with support is critical. And some of the trusted resources I would suggest are um, the Violence Intervention Program, which is run out of Los Angeles by Dr. Astrid Hager and her team. Uh, that is a trusted resource, as well as uh, RAIN, R-A-I-N-N, RAIN.org, is a national organization that has a 24-hour hotline where people can speak to um, supporters who are trauma-informed and really think through their options. Uh, the, in addition, the Network for Victim Recovery of D.C. can help survivors get linked up with treatment and support services, um, and, and linked up with advocacy if they should pursue any uh, legal justice as well. They will have um, support for doing that, which is really critical. So those are some of the key resources that I would suggest um, for those who have survived assault or violence. Okay, great. And then can you talk a little bit about post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD? Does that go hand in hand with trauma or is that different? Can you explain that a little bit? One of the most important advancements I've observed is that biological injury rather than disorder is the best way to think about post-traumatic stress. When we think about a biological injury, it's something that we can heal from. There are a set of symptoms like panic attacks or um, feeling uh, a lack of calm in our own bodies. We can get locked into a state of chronic threat response. Um, and there are treatments now that use biological interventions to really heal some of these symptoms. But in addition, trauma is maintained by changes in how we behave and how we navigate the world around us. So the new model for trauma care that I see is really the combination of biological and psychological treatment, as well as having a tribe of people, the social part of that model, who really understand what you've been through and can really support you and walk with you through that healing journey. So I think that combining these things will really help us realize the potential of the biopsychosocial model um, of healing. Okay, excellent. Now tell me about the books you've written. Oh, thank you. My latest book is called Warrior, How to Support Those Who Protect Us. I brought out the first version in 2019 and then quickly came to see how many of the insights I've gained from being in the trenches with our, our nation's warfighters for the better part of a decade and, and learning about things like grief and trauma and how we heal and survivor guilt when, when we heal or we come back and someone else doesn't. All of these things applied so fully to the experience that we've all had in this year and a half of trauma due to the global pandemic. So I just brought out a second edition last May of Warrior, How to Support Those Who Protect Us. And it's full of universal principles that I learned from working with warfighters who have been through extreme situations that can help all of us to heal from the traumas that we've sustained, not just in the past year and a half, but for so many of us uh, throughout our lifespans. 
So that's my latest book, and I, I would love to have people check it out. All right, excellent. Well, thanks so much for being here today, Dr. Springer. You provided such great information and excellent resources. Now, where can people find you if they want to know more about you, your books, and I believe you even have a podcast? Sure, thanks for asking. So a great resource to learn about innovative trauma care would be Stella, www.stellacenter.com. It's S-T-E-L-L-A-C-E-N-T-E-R.com. And to learn more about me, my my books, my writing, um, podcasts, speaking, trainings, all of that, uh, a great website is www.drshawnaspringer.com. So www.drshawnaspringer.com. Thanks for listening to Time Out with Tinseltown Mom. If you liked what you heard today, please be so kind and rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time.